1: Hello everyone and welcome to Kilowatt, my name is Bodie, and I am your host and I missed a couple of days and uh, you know what, I'm not going to apologize because I had a really crappy shift. Three fatalities, one was an infant, two different calls, sucked. I needed a couple of days to get my head right and now it's right, so I'm good. I'm uh, much better today you hear that? It's just Dr. Pepper. There's nothing in it, alcohol-wise. Because I have a ton of homework to do tonight, and I don't want to be altered. Anyway, let's get right to the stories. This is from TechCrunch, Daryl Etherington. Lucid Motors is betting on a multi-tiered car-sharing autonomous driving future. Basically what that means is they're building this really expensive car and they're trying to raise money. So not a lot of people buy a car that costs $160,000. So how are they going to make their company uh, attractive to investors? By saying that it's betting on multi-tiered card sharing and autonomous driving. And they're building it that way from the ground up. Now, I think this is a little bit different from their message when they first launched the car, because it's mainly for people who are really rich and get driven around everywhere. Kind of like a Maybach type of a, a situation, somewhere you own the car, but you never drive it. Somebody drives it for you. Um, but now they're saying, well, it's always been the plan to have this car with the ability to for you to rent it, and it's got autonomous driving, and we've designed the back seat, so that it reclines and it's beautiful and all this stuff. And that that's most of that is all true, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I don't know that this was their initial plan, but you know what? If this is their their message from for now, then great. They're still still trying to raise the seven hundred million dollars necessary to build the factory in Casa Grande. Now, to be fair, they only need about two hundred and fifty to get started. And then the rest can come later build the other parts of the factory, but, um, yeah, it sounds like it's basically, it kind of sounds like they're just on a dog and pony show and they're doing a lot of, look what we have, but they don't really have anything. And again, I'm a, I'm a Lucid Motors fan, so I don't want to sound like a hater, but it really seems as if, um, there's a new story every week about Lucid Motors and it's just like, look how pretty we are. Look how pretty we are. Um, this one doesn't, in my opinion, have all this article doesn't have a lot of substance. So at some point, Lucid Motors is going to have to actually have, you know, a car that works. I know they have prototypes, but that doesn't count. A production vehicle. And uh, they're shooting for 2019 for their first production vehicle. And that's coming up really soon, especially since, I've, as far as I know, they haven't broken ground on their Casa Ground location. So it's kinda of gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how they're gonna do that. They plan on building ten thousand cars in the first year of production. And if they do that, that's one point six million dollars. There's no we don't know where their margins are on that. I'm gonna guess building a big facility and the cost seven hundred million dollars and filling it with um People and equipment and tooling and all that stuff is going to cost way more than $1.6 billion altogether. But um, I wouldn't expect it to be profitable right out of the gate. Still, $10,000 at $160,000. An unproven car seems like a lot. Take a drink real quick. Now, multi-tier. I'm assuming this means, like, Rich people and poor people could use the, uh, the self-driving autonomous feature, like you just hail a car and you pay what you pay. I don't know exactly what the multi-tier part of this is. Uh, but I could see this. This would be really good for traveling. So if you wanted to get from the airport to, let's say, a meeting and then back, and you don't want to get into a, a Lyft or an Uber, which I don't like doing, I mean, I I do it. I get into a lift every now and again if I need to be driven somewhere. But I don't like it. So I can see where that would be beneficial. So you can just get in, kind of focus on your thing. You don't have to talk to to anybody to focus on your meeting. Another thing that I think this would be useful for is obviously the elderly. So it helps them be more mobile. But it doesn't say how much any of this stuff will cost. And because it doesn't say how much any of this stuff will cost... A $160,000 car driving around is going to be quite expensive. At some point, they want to put out a $60,000 car. But even that price, um, I can't imagine that the rides in it would be cheap. Sounds like it's going to be pretty expensive. And um, I don't think most elderly people are going to trust that the car is going to drive itself and be safe. So, at least current elderly people. Let's go um, to Fred Lambert. According to Adam Leshinsky's book, Wild Ride, Uber tried to partner with Tesla on autonomous driving. Um, You can read the quote. But Elon Musk basically said, uh, hey, Travis, stay in your lane. Travis is the guy that runs Uber. And do what you do best. And then a few days later, Elon and Tesla announced their car sharing efforts. So, um, Travis Kalanick said that he knew when he was talking to Tesla, when Elon was saying, you know, do what you do best. He knew that, um, Elon had already come up with this car sharing idea and it was going to be a no go just from the conversation. Mm -hmm. Next one, Fred Lambert from electric light and Rive, who is the former CEO of solar city and Elon Musk's current cousin is going to leave Tesla and start a new company this summer. Now, if you remember, and I think you should, I get a lot of echo in this room. I don't know why. Normally there's no echo. Let me change some things around here, see if I can limit the echo. Anyway, uh, so if you remember, SolarCity was acquired by Tesla last year. And... um, Leiden went over as the VP of Tesla Engineering. Now, I don't think that this gentleman is um, used to taking orders. He's used to giving orders. He's the CEO. And he wants to start, basically, he said, I want to start and build companies. And, you know, he's probably not a good fit for a a vice president, vice principal, vice president. So kind of makes sense. Uh, Actually, I think it's if anything, it seems like it might be a little early because you got the solar roof coming out, but I guess Leiden's brother is uh, been heavily involved in the solar roof, so it's all kind of... It's interesting. There's nothing to like really see here. It's just an interesting move. Take another drink here. The CTO of SpaceX says that Elon is going to kill the automotive industry. Now, I don't know if that's going to be true, but here's what he has to say. Uh, Tom Mueller uh, says that Tesla's focus on manufacturing and the factory itself is is actually more important than the product. Um, Because of this, um, there's a transcript, and you can read it, but basically he just kind of gave a little uh, breakdown. He had a little conversation with Elon... Uh, about, um, a motor that was on, um, an engine, excuse me, that was on one of the SpaceX air, uh, rockets. And Elon says, how much do you think it costs to make a Model S? And, uh, Tom said, I don't know, $50,000. Elon says, no, uh, about $30,000 is the marginal cost to produce that car. How much do you think it weighs? Tom, about 5,000 pounds. Elon, right. About 5,000 pounds. And how much does a Merlin engine weigh, Tom, about a 1000 pounds, Elon, so why does it? So why the heck does it cost a fraction of a million dollars to make a a Merlin engine? So why the heck does it cost a fraction of a million dollars to make a Merlin engine? I'll give you that. I'll give you a factor of five, since it's not made of aluminum, and it's not stamped. So why does it cost 20 times? Why is it 20 times the cost? So, wow, I am a boob. I can't really read well. Reading's hard. But basically what he's saying here is if you can build a 5,000-pound car for $30,000, why does it cost a million dollars to build an engine that costs 1,000 pounds? And that makes sense. And he said, you know, I'll give you a factor of five. So that would be $150,000 as, you know, to what it should cost, because the, the parts are uh, not aluminum, they're steel, they're not stamped, it's a little harder to make. Um, but that's that's his principle, it's Elon's principle, is uh, the materials themselves should be the main limiting factor, and everything else in the manufacturing is fair game, to be completely re- reinvented. So, um, it sounds like... M- Elon isn't really looking for evolutionary steps in his business. They're more revolutionary, and we'll talk more about some of the businesses as we move on, especially the Boring Company. Um, but he's, he's referred to the manufacturing like, of the Model Y as the alien dreadnought, because it's going to be something from a different world. Um, he said that the Model 3 would be the first step towards um, that alien dreadnought, but the Model Y would be the real version which is interesting. Um, they're going to bring down, let's um, see, the Model S has three kilometers of wiring harness, and the Model 3 is going to be one and a half kilometers, and the Model Y is going to be 100 meters. So they're significantly reducing the, the parts and the, the manufacturing for these cars to get out the door at a lower cost, which is the $35,000, and at a higher volume. So it's basically just as, um, they're going to, they're going as fast as physics would allow. Elon wants to go as fast as physics will allow basically to get these cars. He just wants them zooming off faster than the eye can see, which means he couldn't have people working on the cars be simply because they would get crushed and killed. So the next story, um, I've heard some different stories or read some different stories on Tesla just sucking it up and building the Tesla pickup truck now. Tesla is a huge company, but it still has limited resources. And those resources include space on the production floor. They are include parts. They include um, labor, like people to build this stuff. And right now, they have enough on their plate that I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea for them to start pushing the truck. I think they need to have a um, and it seems like they do have a well-defined plan as to when to bring these things to market. The truck market is huge and it makes sense, um, because they can make a lot of money off of a pickup truck. But on the other side is I don't want them to rush into making a pickup truck because they see dollars, which it, I don't think Elon does anyway, but I don't want them to rush into, um, a scenario where the pickup truck sucks because as a, as a, a, a kind of a man, a cis male, Sometimes I like to do manly things, and some of those manly things would include occasionally driving a pickup truck because I like pickup trucks. I just can't afford to drive a pickup truck because they cost so much money in fuel, and it doesn't make sense, and I can't fit my family in a pickup truck comfortably. But if Tesla built a pickup truck where I got, you know, obviously no fuel costs, and I could semi-fit my family in there in a pickup truck, I'd be more open to considering a pickup so um, i just hope that they put all of the time and the care into the pickup truck and don't don't rush it based on public pressure next up is inside evs mark kane Um, this is a youtube video that i put in the show notes aries rc um, they built a diy solar roof panel uh, a solar roof tile excuse me really cool stuff. And it didn't look like it was all that hard. Um, it was pretty clever. It's worth watching. So I'll put that link in the show notes. Let's see. Yeah, Tesla is giving all existing owners free supercharging. If you bought a Tesla after January fifteenth, uh, they said you're out of luck, you don't get any more supercharging. And or actually, excuse me, if you took delivery, I think after January fifteenth, you don't get any supercharging for life. Uh, you get 400 kilowatt hours a year, and that's it. Should be enough, is what Tesla said. Now Tesla has reversed that decision, and they are going to give everyone, giving they're going to give all of their existing owners free supercharging for life. And then those owners can give free supercharging to five friends via referral codes. So that's pretty cool, and pretty cool of Tesla to do that. This next story is a little sketchy, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Fred Lambert reports, not the Fred Lambert sketchy, he's uh, really solid. Fred Lambert from Electric reports that based on a teardown of the Chevy Bolt um, that the UBS Global Research Group did, the Model 3 needs to make $41,000 to break even. So you need $6,000 in upgrades, effectively, to break even. Uh, This seems sketchy to me because the... Well, basically, Chevy initially relied really not initially. Chevy relies heavily on LG to make the main components of the car. That's the battery, the electronics, the motors. So that's all LG. So they have to buy that at a higher cost than what Tesla does, because Tesla, you know, grabs these components and puts them. They put them together and they build one um, car. Whereas basically, this is Chevy assembling what amounts to the guts of an lg car so it's not it's not quite the same thing so there's going to be in my opinion at added expense i have no information or experience in this department but that's just kind of what i think uh but tesla there's you know like i said they're sourcing all their their um their parts specifically for the model 3 and they already have the plan with the Model S. Um, just in the battery, it said that, uh, I looked it up, uh, Chevy is, the battery is $145, $145 per kilowatt hour. So a 60 kilowatt hour battery costs 145 which I think is like $8,000 or something like that, or $8,500. Whereas the Tesla, a 60 kilowatt hour battery, it's $125 per kilowatt hour. So the Tesla would be like $1,000 less, effectively. I think that math is somewhat right. it's somewhere in there um so that's kind of um just one example where Tesla's saving money on the vehicle where uh Chevy's not um and then the other thing is Chevy you know I don't even know if they dedicated a line to this car um because they only made or they're planning to only make twenty five to thirty thousand dollar thirty thousand a year um, Tesla wants to build $400,000, excuse me, 400,000 cars a year. And initially this may be a realistic number because they have a really high number of reservation holders. But if this car comes out and sucks, um, that might not be a very realistic number, that 400,000, that's pretty high. So, um, but in any case they're, they're buying all these parts based on these projections and they're getting better deals for, um, because they're buying more in bulk. So that makes the price go down. And honestly, uh, Tesla's building the infrastructure to make this car work. And and that's the superchargers, the service centers, you know, um, I read an article recently where um, people were going in to buy electric cars and the dealerships had let the batteries die and, and run out. And that's no good for a lithium battery. So, um, just very interesting to how dealers are are pushing electric cars versus Tesla which that's their only business they have there's the little stores and the little showrooms so you can go and look at a a Tesla and they're you know actively engaged in selling their own vehicle whereas car dealerships may or may not be depending on the dealership but this is an experiment for Chevy and this is Tesla's business so they're going to Um, be a little bit more particular on what they pay for parts and things like that whereas Chevy's like well let's give it a shot Um, but the article does have a lot of details it has a ton of pics of the bolt being torn apart so I highly suggest it it looks um, actually it looked really cool Um, I didn't understand all of the uh, little ins and outs of of the of the breakdowns but still it was really interesting Let's see here. Yeah. Take another drink. So Toyota um, is gonna start developing more EV cars and they want to be set up more like Tesla. Now CEO Akio Toyota, which is actually T O Y O D A, will lead their division, and he said that like Tesla and Tesla and Toyota together, both companies produce cars, but Tesla is building something closer to the iPhone. And what he's referring to is the connectivity and the upgradability of the Tesla cars. Um, in the, I think it was in the earnings call, Elon Musk said that you could actually, if you needed to upgrade the computer that the car runs off of, you just right behind the the uh, glove box, you could pull the old computer out and put a new computer in and you're good to go. So, you know, you have the soft, the ability for the car to connect And provide all this data to Tesla, which is now making it a data company. And then you have all of this. um, uh, The software is upgradable and and brings new features and all that cool stuff. But then you also have the upgradability of of the computer itself. And you don't always necessarily need to upgrade the cameras and all that stuff. It's just the computer might have enough processing power so that the car can do more things without having to buy a whole new car. Um, but Tesla... So, um, this is this is clear that Tesla is pushing the automotive industry, but they're not just pushing Toyota. I read another article, and I can't remember where it was, but I wrote the notes down here, that Volvo is going to stop making diesel engines, and they're just going to work on EVs. I don't know if that means they're going to stop doing gas engines too, um, but that was the main crux of the article, and I read it a couple days ago, so I don't remember the whole, um, what the whole story was about. So the next one's by Fred Lambert again, and it's, um, from electric and it's OS vehicle, which is a Y Combinator, uh, Y Combinator. If you don't know, it's kind of like, um, it's like an incubator for little, for businesses to grow and, and get, um, to be advised by mentors and that kind of thing. So what this company OS vehicle has done is they've designed an open source vehicle program. So essentially, from what I understand, it's kind of like a Legos, they provide the chassis, they provide the electronics, the motor. Um, and I don't even know if they need to provide the motor, but they provide this platform so that anybody can build a car. Um, and it's modular, so if you at some point you want a bigger electric motor, you pull out the old one, you put the new one in. It's pretty easy to do. It's supposed to be very simple and save millions of dollars in um, uh, manufacturing and um, research and development costs. And it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And there's some videos. I'll put a link to their video page in the show notes. There's some videos, and it's really cool. It's I think it's osvehicle.com it's a really cool concept and i'm like oh that'd be cool just to make a little cool little two seater and just kind of drive around town in your own car that you built they said that you can assemble the chassis itself with the seats and the steering wheel and and the wheels and the everything um and have a car that doesn't have a shell doesn't have the, the outside but you basically have the inside of the car for in less than an hour and they have a video showing them do that that's pretty cool too uh a European company called SolarWatt, I can't remember where I got this article from um speaking of modular uh they have a modular enemy enemy <laughs> a modular energy storage solution and it's called my reserve Matrix. and it can be used from uh electric or excuse me it can be used from residential all the way to industrial the battery pack. Uh, And the command electronics are about the size of a shoebox. It looks like in the picture, it looks to me like it's a little bit bigger. But everything is contained in this module needed that you need. And you can add an unlimited number of modules. So you could go from 2.2 kilowatt hours to 2 megawatt hours, which is huge. To give you a reference, uh, Powerwall is 14 kilowatt hours. There's no word on the pricing but I went and looked on Tesla's page to see what it would cost. I have a four bedroom house, 1,960 square feet for a power wall to power my entire house with my solar panels. And it looks like I would need three power walls and that would cost $17,000, $17,200 plus another 800 to 2000 to have it installed. So we're effectively looking at, because I doubt it's going to cost 800. We're effectively looking at $1,900 to put, a power wall on my house to help us uh, escape the tyranny of the electric company. But this is a more interesting solution to me because it feels like I probably don't know it it's that's. Let me get my calculator right here because I'm dumb. Uh, calculator 14. Oh no, just 14. 14 times 3, 42 kilowatt hours. Uh, it seems like maybe with this modular thing that the solar watt is doing, I could get away with something smaller since they're in smaller increments, 2.2 kilowatt hours at a time. So I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. And hopefully you find it interesting as well. Uh, let's see. Consumer reports talking about storage and solar panels. This is Kyle at Tesla Roddy. Consumer, Consumer Reports checked Tesla's math on their solar roof calculator and found it to be accurate. So if you're going on Tesla's solar roof and you're putting in the information, know that uh, Consumer Reports says that it's that it's correct. Oh, this is inverse Jack Crosby. And inverse is cool. Oh, hold on. Jeez, hello. I don't know why my everything's falling apart in my little home studio here. Sorry about that. I had to fix some things but I'm back. So this is inverse Jack Crosby. Um, what is Elon going to do with all of the, the displaced dirt from the boring machine? So it's very expensive to go and have this dirt disposed of and, and transported. So what they're going to do is they're going to build it and turn it into bricks to build structures. Now that I don't think that's going to build, like you would have to have a very strong set of bricks to line the inside of that tunnel. So that doesn't sound like maybe that's what their plan is. Maybe eventually they'll figure out some sort of method to to do that, to turn that dirt into those bricks. So it just kind of comes full circle. The dirt that was removed becomes the bricks that hold the tunnel strong, keep it strong. Uh, But for now, they just said it's going to build structures, and we don't know what that exactly means, but it sounds really cool. And finally, uh, I know some of you don't, or I don't even know, some of you, everybody may love these articles. Uh, I'm assuming some of you don't like this. But uh, Tesla versus the United Auto Workers Union. Uh, Last week, there were a lot of stories about how unsafe it is to work at Tesla. And Tesla released a blog this week, um, basically pushing back and saying, well, that's not exactly true. And here are the things that we've done uh, to keep our workforce safe. And if you don't know what that what the story is, is basically the United Auto Workers Union is trying to unionize the Tesla's workforce. Full disclosure, I'm a firefighter. I belong to the Professional Firefighters of Arizona. I belong to the Profes- International Association of Firefighters. And I belong to a ton of other unions in my work life. And I am pro union. So, you know, take that with a grain of take what I'm going to say about to say with a grain of salt. But um, so the recently Tesla safety record has been in the news. And uh, Tesla said, Well, here's what we're doing to address these safety concerns. Uh, they formed a dedicated ergonomics team to focus on improving this is them saying improving health and safety and reducing ergonomic risk for current and future production. Um I, I, in 2012 or 2013, they hired an ergonomics person, but they hadn't had a team up until recently. Uh, Tesla claims that its safety record is better than uh, the industry average, um, but they are dedicated to improving it, and they should be. A third shift was added to reduce the cost of overtime and ease pressure um, for the employees, and that's important. I'm going to be honest with you. like If I've worked at places that are like, okay, we're doing mandatory overtime. Everybody needs to be here on the weekend. No, that doesn't work for me. Mandatory overtime is baloney. Um, Insert the other word. Mandatory, I mean, in some industries, and even in those industries, it's baloney. In some industries, I understand, like the video game industry, they have to crunch. But most of the reason why they're crunching is because, in my experience, because I worked at uh, THQ, for a very short amount of time, but I worked there for a little bit. In my experience, so many people F around and goof off that they have to crunch to meet their deadlines because they're all screwing around when they're not meeting their deadlines. Not all of them, a lot of them. Now, I don't know if this is every single studio, but the studio I worked at, that's kind of what I experienced. And yeah, there was mandatory overtime. You have to pay uh, for all the screwing around you did. And they did, and they did great work, and they worked really hard, but it's not fun. So I understand that sometimes there's a, uh, a need for mandatory overtime, but in general, when a company says, hey, we have a mandatory overtime, that's a bunch of baloney. I am, We have a social contract where I work for you for 40 hours a week. I don't work any more than that. If you want to ask me to work overtime and I choose to, then great. But mandatory overtime's a bunch of crap. You don't know what I have going on in my life. And just to assume that I'm going to work overtime because I work for you, it's a little overbearing and I don't like it. So, anyway, moving on. So, Tesla had added that third shift to help ease the mandatory overtime. And everybody, the average worker's time hours a week went down to 42. And then they designed the Model 3 manufacturing process so that it was more, ergo, uh, it was designed with ergonomics in mind, is what the article said. They establish safety teams in every department that meet regularly to ensure that you know the safety um, safety is is paramount. I guess being upheld to discuss things that can improve. I don't know what they're talking about. And then the final thing is um, they just kind of compared 2017 to 2016 first quarter. There's been a 52 percent reduction in lost time incidents, a 30 percent reduction in recordable incidents in the first quarter of 2017 versus the same quarter last year. And that's great, that's awesome. These are all good starts. This does not, um, and I, I, I understand you can you can look at the UAW and say, well, they're concentrating on this and it's kind of timely because the Model 3 is coming out and blah, 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 I totally get all that. And I'm not saying, like, I think unions are great when they're working in cooperation with business. I think business is great when they're working in cooperation with unions or members. I don't think either one of them is great when one of them has too much power over the other one. So I want to make sure that that's clear. Because if a business has more power than the employees, the employees feel downtrodden generally. And and like they don't matter, they're just there to fill a seat. And on the other side, if the unions get too strong, it makes it difficult for business businesses to actually um, compete and do business. And that makes sense. So you have to use reason. But I think in most cases, reason is used. Um, I, I, I think those are rare uh, uh, cases when you have a union management relationship, where one is in more power than the other. But um, so Wage, hours, working conditions, uh, benefits, that kind of thing. That can all be uh, uh, negotiated. We won't talk about that. Um, And I don't think, like, I don't think the UAW is the worst union in the world. And I don't think that Tesla or Elon Musk's, um, the Tesla leadership and Elon Musk, I don't think they're uncaring monsters. But I do think, and just in my experience working somewhere, that's a big company is you the the up the um the management the high management the the actual people who are leading the company there's several layers in between that and the worker, and they're not really seeing what really happens and I'm not saying that's what's happening in Tesla, but I'm sure most of you can think back and um, and talk about and 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 find an example of that insulation where you're miserable, your coworkers are miserable nothing's going well. Um, there's plenty of good ways to do something. And the company that you're working for isn't doing any of them. And, um, the upper management has no clue that that's going on. They come in, um, they clean, like I'll give an example. I I worked for MCI once, uh, a long, long time ago, and I was in the call center And we uh, were allowed to wear pretty much whatever we want. People wear pajamas. I didn't wear pajamas, but people wore pajamas to work. But then when the head people from MCI would come in, we were all in shirts and ties and black slacks and the ladies were in dresses. So it's not a really good representation of what the call center or how the call center was run. And, you know, there was little basketball hoops and we would throw the ball back and forth to one another in between on while we were on calls and just kind of. You know, whatever. You call it unprofessional, whatever you want. But none of that happened when the, the the higher ups would come in. It was like it was a sterile work environment and not very fun to work at when they were there. It was plenty of fun to work out when they weren't there. So that's just kind of what I'm saying. Um I guess to sum this all up, if unions and companies, um unions and management work together, it can be a very positive outcome for everybody involved, including the customer. So that's all I wanted to say about that. So let's talk about... I haven't done a pick in a while. I've been... Uh, last well, In the last week and a half, I haven't done anything. Um, I've been really busy. But lately, I've been playing, uh, before that, FIFA 2017 on the Xbox. It's a fantastic game. I've been playing the story mode, which is a lot of fun. It's very well acted. I did a... If you want more information about it, I did a podcast on it on my other podcast, which is called Snap. And I'll, the, the link for that is in the show notes. But if you don't want to listen to it and you're like, hey, I'm looking to get in a really good game, FIFA 2017. It, you can play a game fairly quick and then you can move on with your day. And that's kind of how I have to play games nowadays is I have to, because uh, I have kids and other responsibilities. If I have 10 minutes or 15 minutes, I can sit down and play FIFA and get that that adrenaline rush of playing a cool game and then go back to doing what I was doing for the rest of the day. So it's a nice little break. So that is my recommendation. Let's talk about how to contact me. You can email me bodhi at 918digital.com and some people do and I appreciate that. Uh, Twitter is at 918digital. My phone number is 90, excuse me 9184010071. And if you leave a message, which no one has, I'll, uh, put it on the show and we can kind of, um, highlight you. Let's see. My other podcast is called snap. Leave a review wherever you get this podcast. It really helps out. And then if you like iOS, uh, iMessage stickers and you want to help out, uh, I noticed we got an uptick in listeners and also the stickers were selling better. So if you've bought an iMessage sticker to support the show, thank you very much. Cause it helps me pay for hosting software, um, my crappy mixing board which is popping and hissing and and uh on its way out anyway thanks guys very much i well i will apologize i do apologize for missing on friday i just was not in a very good place and i would not have been uh very excited to listen to which you know just in general i don't know if i do a great job at this podcast <laughs> so I appreciate every single person that listens to this show so thank you very much Uh, this show should be back regularly on Friday because I have a couple of weeks where I am not going to work and that was pre-scheduled prior to the three fatalities but I have a couple weeks where I'm not going to work so um, there's no reason there shouldn't be a podcast on Friday so thanks guys, thanks very much for listening and have a great week guys and gals I meant to say guys and guys. How old
0: up?